We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the show. Yeah, it is great to be back, and it's fun to talk about a 4-1 and team for sure. Coming off of a, a game that I, I know both of us had our doubts about against the Dallas Cowboys, so we're not going to spend a ton of time breaking down that game. I'm uh, really going to switch our focus on to the Lions next week, and I believe you have an update to give the listeners about that Lions game. I am really excited about this update, Andrew. This Monday's game is unique because Andrew and I will both be there at Lambeau together. And so, well, I'm sure Andrew enjoys every opportunity that he gets to take in a game at Lambeau. This game is going to be extra special for me. And I'm about to admit something on the Pack-A-Day podcast that is going to be pretty controversial here, I think. So um, I'm just going to say it. I've never actually been to a game at Lambeau before. 
I know this is uh, this is going to go over really well. I've been to games at Ford Field. I've been to games at Edward Jones Dome before, before the Rams moved out to L.A., uh, of course, to see the Packers on the road. But I've never made the pilgrimage that it is to Green Bay, Wisconsin, to see the glorious Lambeau Field. And so that is all going to change this Monday night. And so I'm super excited and super thankful to Andrew uh, for the invite to join him there in Green Bay. I, I actually think I'm as excited as you are, um, and it's super cool to to even have the privilege of sharing that opportunity and, and sharing uh, Green Bay and Lambeau Field with somebody else. And a little peek behind the curtain for our listeners, Kyle and I have actually not met in person. We've been doing this <laughs> podcast for, you know about 14 months now and we we've never had that pleasure we've always been in different states so that's pretty sweet and i think we'll probably try to tweet something out on monday to see if any listeners want to meet up before the game and i'm hearing there might actually be some snow in the forest forecast for northeast wisconsin maybe this weekend maybe pushing into monday uh it's way too early in the year to be talking about the s word but yeah uh, that that does add a really cool dynamic to the lambeau field experience yeah, absolutely. And I'm coming from Michigan, so I got to come through Chicago around the lake. So um, I'm going to hope for no snow because I got to yeah. drive in that on Monday. So, but Me either too. way, it'd be tons of fun. And I'm really, really excited to get up there and take this game in. So thanks again for the invite. But uh, today, it is our task and our privilege to bring you a preview of how we think the Packers' defense will match up with the Detroit offense. So uh, this whole podcast is going to focus on that side of things because slowing Matt Stafford in this Lions offense is going to be key to victory on Monday night. And we will talk about how the Lions' running game factors into this. But let's just kind of start right there, Andrew. Let's start with talking about Matt Stafford and what he means to this Detroit franchise and what he's going to mean to the game on Monday. Absolutely. And I'm going to say something that might be a touch controversial, but to me, Matt Stafford is an underrated quarterback in the league. And I think if you had put him in the right situation for his career, he could be a Philip Rivers type player, an Eli Manning type player, but his teams have routinely been really bad. So yes, his stats get inflated because their defense has been so terrible for so long um, that, you know, the offense has had to pass and, and been behind a lot. But that said, he has the ability to beat you if you don't pressure him. And, and I really believe that that's going to be the key in this game. Mike Pettin has put Jair and Kevin King in solo matchups on the outside and let them succeed or fail on their own, which can be frustrating. You can have games like Sunday where Jair Alexander just really struggles, but he is trusting his pass rush to get home and to let the rest of his defense take away his stuff over the middle and underneath. And really, that was tough to get used to at first because we're, we're used to maybe a little bit of the opposite with Dom Capers. And I've grown to really love that strategy. Yeah, you're going to give up some big plays. But if you get pressure in the quarterback's face, and it's far more likely to get there because they have to wait for an outside receiver to get open. And, oh, yeah, the Packers really uh, improved their pass rush this this offseason. But the quarterback is going to make mistakes over the middle of the field because there's going to be more bodies there. There's going to be more focus there. And that's where the quarterback naturally looks when they have pressure. We saw it with Dak Prescott last week and all the mistakes he made. He very easily could have had four interceptions in that game, maybe five. And Stafford is certainly more than capable of making bad decisions with the football. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And we are going to talk a little bit about the Packers' ability 
for their pass rush to get home here a little bit more in just a second. But before they, we get there, um, I want to talk a little bit more about Matt Stafford because I think we're kind of on the same page here. Aaron Rodgers is pro football focus's ninth highest graded quarterback this year. Matt Stafford is right behind him with the 10th highest grade. I know this is a small sample, you know, just a couple games a season. But as Andrew said, Stafford is someone who is consistently overlooked in the NFL because I would just imagine if Stafford quarterback the Bears or the Vikings and the teams that those teams have had over the last couple of years, if they replace that quarterback play with someone like Matt Stafford, how much better those teams would be and would have been and the impact that, that would have made. And so as someone who grew up in Michigan and someone who currently lives in Michigan, I'm not about to feel bad for the Detroit Lions because a world where the Lions are bad and always find ways to lose is just the way things are meant to be. But you do feel kind of bad for a guy like Matt Stafford, who's been a steady contributor for the Lions for years and has continued to be a good player, even without guys like Calvin Johnson, who many gave you know the credit for Stafford's success for so many years. Uh, but there's no question that the Lions have handed the Packers a few painful losses in the last couple of years. And Matt Stafford is a big reason why the Lions, who traditionally underperform, do kind of remain a scary team that can threaten any given week, especially when you're thinking that you are the better team coming in. They can kind of sneak up on you in that way. So, um, yeah, I just I agree with you that Matt Stafford can kind of be that underrated kind of quarterback in this league. Yeah, well, one of the really important things to watch out for is how the Lions offensive line is going to be able to hold up against the Packers front seven. So, so what are your thoughts on, on that matchup? Yeah, it's a really, really interesting group, the Lions offensive line, because some parts of it are dominant and other parts really, really are not. And so starting on the outside, um, whether it's been Taylor Deckard uh, or Ricky Wagner or uh, Tyrell Crosby, the Lions tackles have been pretty bad this season, especially uh, if we're talking about pass protection. So I fully expect another chance for the Smith brothers to dominate and make their presence known off the edge. Uh, But the Lions interior offensive line is much, much better than their tackers. Their tackers, <laughs> their, t- their tackles. Uh, Graham Glasgow, I cannot talk tonight. I got to get some easier names on this Lions roster. Uh, but Glasgow is a force in the run game, and Frank Ragnow is the best center in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, after these first five weeks of the season. So Kenny Clark, who started 2019 like he shot out of a cannon, uh, but he's really kind of slowed up these last couple weeks. This is going to be a matchup for him uh, that he's going to have to do well in Sunday to kind of mitigate the success that this middle of this offensive line has had in the first part of the season. Um, and really, Clark could use some help from Montrevious Adams and Dean Lowry to help him out there as well. Yeah, and until you said that, I didn't realize the Lions had Glasgow and Ragnow playing right next to each other on the <laughs> offensive line. And that's that's uh, kind of hilarious. I tried to read those names together, and it did not go well <laughs> i would think you would know how to pronounce graham glasgow's name since he's a michigan player but you know hey hey you know it's not like that's your team or anything no let's not um, talk about that but but i would imagine the lions are going to try to run the ball early and often and they probably aren't going to have a lot of success running to the outside because the packers are really stout there and as you alluded to their tackles have not been good. So they're probably going to try to run the ball up the middle, and that's going to be a key matchup for the interior defensive line, as you mentioned, but also for Blake Martinez to continue his strong performance this season. And if if they can hold firm against the run, their reward is going to be rushing up the middle against a very stout Lions interior. So this is tough sledding for the, the Packers defensive line. But the 
they have shown the ability to win one-on-one battles at the edge rusher position against good tackles. So the Smiths have to be licking their chops to go against the Lions less than good tackles. Um, but so if 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 the you know we we know that the Lions offensive line and the Packers front seven is going to be a key matchup. What are your thoughts on the Lions wide receivers against the Packers secondary trying to get open while that pass rush is coming? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, the gone are the days when the Packers have to worry about Calvin Johnson, and that's kind of a, a nice season of life to be in. But these Detroit wide receivers are still a pretty good group. Both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are producing in this offense. And remember that the Lions had a bye in Week 5, so they've only played four games so far this season, so they are fresh. But in those four games, Galladay has four scores in four weeks. So slowing him is going to be a good test for the Packers. Packers cornerbacks, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Packers uh, take Jair Alexander and put him on Galladay or if they put him on Marvin Jones, because if you believe that Kevin King is the corner that we've seen lately, then I think you kind of like his size profile with a guy like Galladay, who's 6'4", and maybe Jair's quickness with someone like Jones. So we'll see what they do there. I'm really curious to see how they put those matchups together this week. Yeah, and and outside of Jair and Kevin King, uh, I think it's important to focus on the Packers' safety situation because it looks more and more likely that they're not going to have Darnell Savage. So it's going to be up to Will Redman and Adrian Amos to provide the support to help stop the Lions receivers. And as I said before, it is so important to this defensive scheme that the outside corners can be relied to go one-on-one so that the the health report for Kevin King um, and his ability to stay in and finish the game is going to be a massive story. Uh, so we mentioned the receivers, but how about the, the tight end position? Um, certainly we're going to focus on TJ Hawkinson, but then, you know, the tight end position as a whole for the Lions. Yeah, I'm still sad to talk about TJ Hawkinson as he was one of my favorite players in the 2019 draft. And so I hated, hated, hated seeing him go to Detroit. Uh, But I think Detroit's still figuring out how to use him a little bit in this passing game. He's obviously a stud as a blocker, and we've seen some highlights of him already making some of those plays earlier. But uh, his impact as a pass catcher is still developing, which is um, maybe not great for Detroit. But it's also a little bit tricky for the Packers to figure out how he's going to be used in this game. And uh, unfortunately, Hawkinson did suffer a week four head injury. And a Wednesday was still in the concussion protocol. But it sounds like as of this afternoon, uh, he was a full go in Thursday. Day's practice, so he should be good to go on Monday night. But with the injuries to Darnell Savage, like you said, and also Oren Burks kind of working back slowly into this defense, I'm really interested to see what the Packers' plan is to stop the tight end in this game, uh, whether that's Hawk or if they're working somebody like Jesse James in if, as Hawkinson's coming back from the injury. It'll be interesting to watch that on Monday. Yeah, and I liked Hawk as, as much as anybody did, but I am a firm believer that you don't take a tight end in the top 10 of the draft. But TJ has proven to be kind of an exception to the rule so far for rookie tight ends not contributing and and certainly will have to be a focal point of the Mike Pettin defense. I think one of the things that we talked about when we broke the Lions down in our preview of the season was that they had like 87 tight ends on the roster at that (laughs) point. Um, But they definitely have some players who can contribute and who can hurt you. And with the Packers question marks at, at inside linebacker that that's going to be a really important matchup and, and something to watch for not only in the passing game but as you mentioned as blockers for carry on Johnson and speaking of Johnson uh, how do you think the Packers are going to counter that Lions running game 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because we talked about Matt Stafford and his impact, but I think Kerryon Johnson's going to have a pretty big role in this game. And if the Lions are smart, I think he'll have a pretty big role in this game. We've already talked about how bad their tackles have been in pass protection, and I think the Packers' corners match up pretty well with the Detroit receivers. So I think that the Lions will try to win up the middle and win the time of possession and give themselves a chance by minimizing turnovers. And I think Kerryon Johnson is a pretty good player. And the Lions have been giving Johnson a heavier workload the past couple weeks. In weeks one and two, Johnson carried the ball 12 and 16 times. But in week three and four, uh, he actually saw an increase in touches. He ran the ball 20 times in week three. And in week four, he had 28 total touches between the running game and some catches out of the backfield. So the Lions seem to really be increasing their usage of Johnson. And they used him a lot in that Kansas City game. And you have to think that they might look at the Green Bay and Kansas City games as a little bit similar in that both of those teams have dynamic playmakers at quarterback that they might want to minimize their opportunity with the time with the ball and those explosive plays that both Rodgers and, of course, Pat Mahomes can make. And so I expect the Lions to prioritize Kerryon Johnson and the running game in this one. Yeah, and I was listening to the Draft Dudes podcast earlier this week, and they, they were talking about how Mike Pettin defense never really seemed to be very good against the run. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with he doesn't commit fully to doing that. He, you know, I, I think that that's a great thing in the modern NFL to, to realize that you're not just going to load eight guys in the box because the opposing team is running and you rely on those opposing offenses to either have a bad play or uh, make a mistake or uh, choose to try to get a little bit too tricky with their play calling. And, and you cannot argue with Mike Pettin's success as a defensive coordinator in this league. So yes, they're going to give up some, some runs. They're they're going to give up some uh, chunk yards. They're they're going to have times when teams string together um, a little bit longer drives in the running game. So I see a situation where Kerryon Johnson has some success in this game, but the Packers still could limit the Lions' offense even with that. So I don't want to be as much of an alarmist about. Green Bay's defense not being able to stop the run as we've sort of seen across Twitter recently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, one thing that I wanted to talk about is as we you know come to the end is uh, there were rumors swirling today that the Browns have made Odell Beckham Jr. available via trade and uh, certainly former draft crush Dayon Buchanan has become a free agent. So do you have any interest in either one of those players? Not really. I, I, I'm no fun. Um, I'm wow, ge- great. Yeah. Great for a podcast, Kyle. Great, great podcast content. No, I, I'm generally a believer that if a player is for sale, there's probably usually a pretty good reason why. And Odell is obviously very, very talented. Um, if he was to end up in Green Bay, you know, I'd, I'd be ecstatic about the talent level there. But when everything you read out of Green Bay is about how the Packers team is really close and they're close knit. They spend time together and it's this incredible culture. I'd hate to mess with that by adding a player who's known for his own selfishness. And I know that that can kind of sound, um, you know, maybe overly critical because I don't know Odell personally. Um, but for me, I'm passing on Odell, especially with how talented the wide receiver group is in the upcoming 2020 draft. Um, but if he's cheap, I might take a shot on Dayon Buchanan because he's been a good player in this league. And Mike Pettin is known for putting players in position to succeed. And playing in Arizona could be pretty frustrating, I would think, at times. So maybe Buchanan just needs that change of scenery. Uh, But for me, 
the Buccaneers OJ Howard is still the one guy that I'd really like to see the Packers explore a trade for. He's a great blocker. He has the potential to be an impact player as a receiver. He's shown that in the flashes for sure. And I think he's undervalued in Tampa Bay. And I think he's a perfect fit for my uh, for Matt LaFleur and this Packers offense. And I think we're pretty sure that Graham is probably done after this season and Mercedes Lewis is not getting any younger. And so I could get pretty excited about a tight end group of Howard and Tanya and Sternberger. I don't know what it would cost. I probably wouldn't give up more than a third round pick. So if they're looking for more than that, I'd probably be out. But I'd definitely be interested to see what OJ Howard would cost in this situation. Yeah, and I would I would think adding an elite receiver like Odell Beckham Jr., who is still pretty early in his prime years, would be a no-brainer. However, there's obviously some other additional things to consider. The Packers have to find a way to fit his salary under the current cap. I don't know that that's even possible. Uh, with his salary added for the next several years, you'd likely have to allow a player to walk. So, you know, are you talking about Kenny Clark? Probably not. But it could be Brian Balaga and a few other veterans that, that would have kind of middle uh, you know, a few million dollar salaries and you're losing some prime draft capital to try to replace those players on top of it. So what would the good news be? Well, Odell's really, really good. Although he hasn't <laughs> looked it so far this season, I think you you know what his potential is and, and you saw what he could do playing with Eli Manning. So imagine replacing that with Aaron Rodgers and it would add a dynamic to this offense they have not seen. The the strength in the Packers locker room likely would keep him in check. You have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Jerry Smith, David Bakhtiari, Brian Blagge, etc. And so he's not likely to be allowed to act like a diva. And if he did, there isn't much commitment to him after this season. You could cut him for pretty much no cap penalty. But at that it, it's it's not going to happen. It's it's fun <laughs> to dream. It's fun to play, you know, Madden in your head with the real team. But it, it's just not not going to transpire. Dan Buchanan is really interesting. Yes, he didn't play in Tampa, which would on the surface seem alarming. But Dusty and Steve and Sarah broke it down on Thursday's podcast about all of the depth that was in front of him in Tampa and they, they have an unbelievable off ball linebacker group. And so, you know, Buchanan was expendable for them. He might be a nice piece. Uh, Ty Summers hasn't been able to get on the field. Mm -hmm. So you would think he could at least provide that. Mm -hmm. y yes. You'd have to cut somebody. So, it, you know, that that's a interesting conversation to have and in, in who, who would be the player that he would replace. Uh, Traymond Smith makes a lot of sense. Um, or maybe Tim Williams that they just acquired. So um, there's there are some options there. I love thinking about O.J. Howard. That yeah. that's that's one. You know, I've heard whispers here and there, but um, I think you make a really great point about not only helping the team right now with Howard, who is both a good blocker and a good receiver, sort of T.J. Hawkinson esque. Mm -hmm. um, but he, you know, he hasn't really taken off, and, and I don't know that he's necessarily a good scheme fit in Tampa. And you'd be helping the team going forward, too, by adding that young, dynamic tight end. And I think the interesting thing with Howard is you know, kind of like Hawkinson, what his floor is as a blocker, like you said. And we've talked about how Matt LaFleur, it's not always about beating your guy one-on-one. -on -one. For those opportunities and getting open and so I think when you know what you have you can scheme open a guy like that and so you kind of mitigate the risk of like oh, okay maybe he's not a separator at the NFL level or these kind of things that I've heard a little bit of buzz about like you know these excuses for why he's not been successful in Tampa but at the same time 
Matt LaFleur is all about scheming guys open and giving those opportunities. And you know, at a minimum, he's going to be that impact blocker. So I don't know if Tampa thinks that they were wrong about, you know, spending a first round pick on him. I would be more than happy uh, to throw a third round pick their way and see what Matt LaFleur can do uh, in this new offense. Yeah, and you think about the possessions where LaFleur is scheming Mercedes Lewis wide <laughs> open. Yeah. And Lewis is probably, I mean, he, he's been playing very well, and his impact as a run blocker can't be understated. But Mercedes Lewis is running, what, maybe a 4-8-40 at this point in his career? That's and you have a guy like o- yeah. yeah, you have a guy like O.J. Howard who's probably like a 4-5 guy. And yeah. Imagine him getting the ball in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's a 15, 20 yard gain, if not more. And so, you you, you kind of drool thinking about those situations. So, um, just kind of final thoughts going back to the Lions matchup with the Packers. The Lions certainly have had the Packers number recently, and that's something as Packer fans that it's really hard to swallow after the Packers completely dominated the matchup for 20 years or so. So um, how how do you see this one playing out? I think that the Packers will win this game. Um, If I, if my gut right now says that the Packers may come into this game a little bit flat out of the gate, just because it's the lions and it's not the Cowboys, it's not that big matchup. And so I'm, my fear is that maybe there will be a little bit more of a contest um, in the second half, and this will be a little bit more of a game than we wish that it was, especially at the beginning of the season when no one thought that the Lions were a threat. I do think that the Packers will win, um, but I would, I mean, it, it makes me nervous the way that the Lions have battled the Packers in recent years and kind of have taken that as a point of pride. So I uh, expect a win, but I'm not super confident, especially when you're just kind of waiting for maybe that um, post big win in Dallas kind of maybe let down, and especially with the Lions having that bye week leading into this game. But we'll see how it plays out. What do you think, yeah. Peter? That, that's what I was going to mention as well with the Lions having an extra week off and Matt Patricia and his staff having the opportunity to really sit down and scheme specifically for this game. It's a big divisional matchup. They're, they're coming in with a lot of positive momentum, even though they lost to the Chiefs, playing that game that closely and really having a chance right up until the end of the game has to make them feel really confident about their abilities to play with anybody. And the Packers are beat up. Yeah. There were 20-plus players on the injury report today, so mm-hmm. um, that that's something that's definitely going to factor in this game. Who plays, who doesn't. Having yeah. the extra day of rest is helpful. Having a home game with an extra day of rest is extra helpful, but we'll see who's out on the field and, and who can you know give 100% during that game. So I expect this to be really close. I, I would definitely favor the Packers as well, but uh, we will see what happens in person, Kyle. Yes. Um, in person. I'm so excited. So excited. It's going to be awesome. So that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Murtick. Please go out and follow us because we'll probably be dropping some hints or actually just outright telling you where we're going to be on Monday. <laughs> so if any of you listeners are going to the game, we'll, we'll let you know. And, and maybe you can meet us and maybe some other Packer Day Podcast hosts. Remember to also follow the Packaday Podcast at Packaday Podcast. Uh, subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Paul, and they're going to have key matchups and X factors for Monday's game. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week, and we'll be breaking down uh, the the or we will be previewing the Packers Week Seven matchup <laughs> against the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember. Go!
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.